Well, we're finishing up our sermon series today called Greater Than. We've been in our series for several weeks now, and we, we've been looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, we're at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll be looking at that and talking about what that means for us today as we talk about mobilizing the body. And that's where we are today, mobilizing the body from the very end of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Now, as we begin thinking through this over these past several weeks, we've talked about several areas. We talked about what it means to belong to the body, what it means to have unity in the body, what it means to care for the body. How are we about being able to bring the body together for ministry of the body? So we've looked at several things all through the, first, the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, talking about the importance of the church, the importance that we have as a body of believers doing the work of ministry around us. You know, as we worship today, man, what a, what a great worship time. We're able to, to focus on who Christ is. Because we know that, that who Christ is, is the foundational part of everything that we are talking about today. That's where we're going to start in your listening guide. That whole understanding is that the Word is our foundation. Now, when we again talk about the Word, it helps us to understand who the Word really is. And we find in this passage that Paul, who writes to this church in Corinth, helps them to understand where their focus is. It's not on the divisions that had been in the church at Corinth. It's not on uh, everything that they were planning to do. Sometimes you get caught up in those plans. That's easy for all of us to do. It's not about what they had gone through in persecution and struggles in their lives because all of them had gone through that. And I know that in this room today, there are people who are going through struggles and suffering and heartache and issues and family and health and all those things. And Paul tried to help this church, this body of believers in Corinth, to understand that the body is vital to who we are and Christ is the foundation in his word of all that he is. So we start there this morning. The first part of this last uh, part of chapter 12, when we look at the verse it tells us, now you are the body of Christ. That's what he tells us in the 12th chapter, the 13th verse. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And we've been talking about that. We've been trying to help us to understand our role inside that. Uh, our growth track, as we have started that just a month or so ago, matter of fact, today, uh, in number two, in that second part, the second week, we talk about spiritual gifts. What are those spiritual gifts that you have, the passions you have, how God has shaped you and molded you and made you to be a part of the body? That's a, that's a big part of what we're doing. Next week in growth track, they'll be talking about where you serve in the body because we believe that the Bible teaches us that the body the body comes together that God intentionally brings us together for the work of the ministry and the community that he places us in. And so we have, we have built that as our foundation. Now, when you look at this passage, he tells us, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, having gifts of healing, able to help others, gifts of administration, speaking different kinds of languages, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues. And then he says, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts and now I will show you the more excellent way. That's how he ends the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. 
We start this morning thinking about this understanding of the word and what the word is because he tells us you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. The word is our foundation. Because when he talks about being the body of Christ, that's where our central foundation is, right? So he talks about the Christ. He talks about we are the body of Christ in the sense of that Christ who is the word. And that's what we find from John 1st chapter, that Jesus is the word of God. And that word that he's talking about is truth. So everything that we build our life on is the truth that's found in Christ. Now, in our culture today, there would be some who would question that. There would be issues with what that might look like. There would be some who disagree with that. That's not new to our culture today, by the way. That has been since the time of Jesus. There are some who have declared that he wasn't real, that he wasn't truthful, that he was a heretic, that all those things, that because we are Christians and our worldview is Christ and our worldview is from the Bible, we would say, no, they've got that wrong. We believe completely that Christ Christ is the truth. He is the word. He is where we put our foundation. And so for our church, our family, our body of believers, it is in Christ, it is Christ himself that is our truth. And the word is truth. Christ said he is the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so inside that, we find that when Paul speaks of this word here in chapter 12, verse 27, now you are the body of Christ, that our foundation is in the truth of who Christ is. That's why in all that we try to do, our main point is to lift up Christ, right? Because the Bible would also teach us that Jesus said that when he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. So we're not trying to lift up people. We're not trying to lift up the church necessarily. We're, we're trying to lift up Christ, who is the foundation of the church. So he is Christ. He is the truth. The word is Christ. Now, the word is also of Christ, because when we have the word of God as our foundation, which we do as a church, that this Bible becomes the inerrant word of God for us. It is truth to which we live. We find the word of Christ in the Bible. We trust the Bible. We see it as our foundation piece, because we look at what the Bible says, and we see those as the words of Christ, what he has said to us. And so we take the Bible as truth. So we take Christ as being the ultimate word, and we take the Bible as being the truth of Christ's word. We're not looking for uh, other words from other written scripture or other things that we hold up to be truth. We take the Bible as truth. It is our standard. The Old Testament uses the idea of a plumb line, which you simply drop, and you're able to build a standard from a plumb line, and in that plumb line you have the, the truth of what it is, and everything else is a variance of that. And as a church, that's what our desire is. Now, I know oftentimes we may not get that 100%. Most of us do not, but that is our standard. The Word of God is what we're trying to do because we know that the, the truth is in Christ, but we also know that the truth, the Word, is of Christ. It is of Him. It's about Him. We believe that the entire Bible, from the very beginning to the very end, is about Christ. It is His story. That's what He is telling us, that everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus, that everything that Jesus is doing is bringing us into right relationship with Him. That's what He desires for us, a right relationship with Him. Now, in this 27th verse, He says that we are in Christ. And so we began to think and function as he tells us here. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Now, understanding that Christ is the word of truth. The Bible is the truth of Christ. 
But all through this 12th chapter, Paul has says that we are in Christ. We're actually in him. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about being in him and he in us and what that means to us as we live out our life. But we are in him. And as a church family, we are in Christ. So everything that we do as a church should be in the understanding that we are in him. So our desire is to be like him and our desire is to lift him up. That is the foundational piece of what the church is about and the foundational piece of what 1 Corinthians 12 has been teaching us. That it really is about the body, but inside being what the body is, it's about Christ, who is our foundation. Everything we do is about him. Everything we're about as individuals is about him. Our relationship is about having relationship with Christ so that in that relationship with him, we're able to love the body the way that he desires for us to do. So unless we step back and look completely in our understanding that our, our first obligation, our first place to begin is a relationship that we must have with Christ. And, and I don't mean just a relationship of becoming a Christian, because that's the first place, becoming a follower of Christ, but I mean the ongoing walking relationship the ongoing living out our relationship with Christ. It's not just showing up on Sunday morning for worship. This is a great time of worship, and I, I want us to be here to worship together corporately, but it's, it's really how we're living our life the other 166 hours a week. There are 168 hours of the week, and oftentimes church takes up a couple of those. What happens to the other 166? Because we are living out the truth of Christ as the body, maybe not the body gathered, but as the body that's scattered around our community, and we live out that foundational piece. The second thing I want to say this morning out of this passage is that the church is as our fabric. Now, he tells us that in this 27th verse where he says, and each one of you is a part of it. And I use this this imagery that came very easily is that idea of a tapestry, right? Something that's woven together. Any, Any fabric of anything, fabric holds us together. That's what it is. That's the fabric of who we are is the church. We are the fabric of what God is doing. God designed the church to be his instrument in the world God designed the church to be about reaching people and building as a body. That's the whole New Testament design of the church. So inside that, it's very easy to understand that we are the fabric that make up the church. We're the pieces that join together. I know maybe you have seen a tapestry or have seen a picture of the tapestry. And the more intricate the tapestry is, the more detail it looks on the picture side when you look at the reverse side of the tapestry, the more strings that are hanging, the more uh, ugly it actually looks sometimes because you just you can't make heads or tails out of any of it because there's so many pieces of it. And sometimes that just reminds me of who we are, right? We're people who struggle. We're people who are, I'm not making a comment about how you look, by the way, that we're ugly sometimes. Sin has created that in us, right? Sin has broken us down. We live in a broken world. But when we come together, God puts us together in such a way that the fabric, the other side, the picture that he wants to paint of the church for the community to see is a picture that has a presentation of Christ, of who he is, of how he works, and and the fabric that weaves together is so important. And, And any illustration breakdown, I know that. But man, as I thought about the fabric and what that means to the church, There are times when the fabric is torn. 
There are times when the fabric gets dirty. There are times when the fabric just doesn't look the way it used to look. It has to be cleaned. And I think that's us as a church, right? But the understanding and helping and caring for each other in the middle of that is what it means to be, as he says here, and each one of you is a part of it. Now, he goes on in these next couple of verses to give illustrations, as he has in the entire chapter uh, of chapter 12, different areas of giftedness that people has. This is not, I believe, an exhausted list. He doesn't say these and these only because he's mentioned others in 1 Corinthians 12. He's mentioned others in Romans. He's mentioned others in Ephesians. So I don't think Paul is given an exhausted list. I think what he's telling us, that we all have this part that we play. Sometimes we struggle with our part. Sometimes we struggle with the life that we're in. But in the midst of that, we are part of the fabric of the church. Not just the church of the kingdom, but I believe the local church. A Graceland Baptist Church and our work and role and ministry in this community in which God has placed us many years ago. And we're, we're seeing God doing a new and fresh work around us. And, and the opportunity that we might have to rise up with, with revival and newness to say, how do we reach this community with the good news of Christ? Well, if we have the foundation of the word and we know that the fabric is us working together. The third part that I would want you to write in today is that the Spirit is our fuel. From the very beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul has been talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. He tells us in the chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans... Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one who can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So I say to you this morning, not only are we seeing the Word as our foundation, and not only are we seeing that we as the body are the fabric, but we really see that the fuel of all we do is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus planned that from the very beginning, and, and back in John, he tells us that in John 15, John 16, John 17, all those passages where he's helping the disciples to understand that the coming of the Holy Spirit is going to make the impact. Without him going away, it would not even be possible for them to be as strong as they were going to become. In Acts chapter 1, he says, gather together and wait for the coming of the Spirit. And we see the coming of the Spirit in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and then we begin to recognize that the Holy Spirit fuels everything we are about. How does it do that? Well, I've hopefully listed some ways in which the Holy Spirit works. First of all, the Holy Spirit is the one who equips. The Holy Spirit is the one who equips you. He equips you by calling you, by designing you, by bringing you into the family of God, by being able to equip you for all the things that you need in life. We believe that the church is a part of that because we help each other, we work with each other, but the Holy Spirit gives us what we need. The Holy Spirit is the one who is equipping you for ministry, equipping you for life, equipping you for struggles that you're going to go through, equipping you for the issues that are going to be in front of you. We're going to get that equipping from the Holy Spirit as we dive into the Word as our foundation, as we dive into Christ as our foundation. It all works hand in hand because we are fabric. It, it's, it doesn't be, it's not separated. It's all working together. That fabric of, of who we are in the church is the fabric of the Holy Spirit who is equipping you to handle what He is bringing into your life. The Holy Spirit is equipping you to do and to be in ministry the way He has called you to be. 
The Holy Spirit is equipping you to live out your life in a God-centered life with obedience to Christ. The second thing that's going to go along with that is that the Holy Spirit is the one who encounters us as we discover God's will. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to encounter our lives. He's the one who's going to encounter us as we try to discover what we should be doing next or how everything around us plays out. It's, it's he who is encountering us so that when we begin to say, God, what is the will, your will for my life? We hear from the Spirit of God. He encounters our life. We have, a, we have an encounter with him. Sometimes, sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad because we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and we decide we're not going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit we immediately put ourselves in disobedience, and sin is the problem. It's when we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us direction to do something, and we're willing to say, I'm obedient to that, yes to that, that the Holy Spirit then encounters us and shows us his will and purpose for us. Third, the Holy Spirit is one who brings the encouragement through our church family. We find that all over the New Testament. He is the one who is bringing encouragement into our lives. Matter of fact, that's what he tells us in John, right? That's what Jesus says. He is the one who's going to bring comfort. He's going to win. He's the one who's going to bring encouragement. How does he do that most often according to Scripture? Through other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how he does it most often in Scripture. He does it through the body. And that's what Paul has been pointing to in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's what we've been trying to say and talking about greater than, that one of us alone cannot do it. We have to have each other. We have to have each other for strength, for courage, for encouragement, for nourishment, for refreshment. We have to have each other. And we see that the most often when we go through the most difficult times, right? Oftentimes when we're, when we're doing well and things are going well, we don't really think we need anyone else. Everything's fine. But it's when we begin to have problems and health in our family and financial difficulties and family issues or issues with elderly parents or sick children, all those things. Where do we get encouragement from? From God's word. We get it from each other, which means then that our role as a body of believers is to be about encouraging. It's to be about seeing those who are in need and discovering how we meet that need. How do we do that? By asking the Holy Spirit to show us, to give us direction. Because remember, he is the one who is encountering us, and he is the one who is allowing us to see his will, even in encouraging the body. Well, I think it's exciting to be able to think that direction, right? It's exciting to be able to think, man, we get encouragement from each other because we really do need that encouragement. Next, the Holy Spirit gives us the energy, the energy to walk in a life of prayer and fellowship. And we need to be walking in that life of prayer and fellowship. I said that earlier. It's, it's how we live in our lives, right? It's how we go through the things of life. It's how we are able to walk in prayer. It's how we're able to, to live in fellowship. I have said a couple of times, sometimes I, I think we do people a disservice by saying, well, all you have to do is just pray in the morning, do your devotion time, and you've done enough. Because that is not what the Bible teaches. Praying in the morning during devotion time is a wonderful thing to do. But the Bible would teach us that a lifestyle of prayer, a lifestyle of fellowship with God, a lifestyle meaning wherever we are, wherever we go, whoever we're around, we are praying and we're seeking the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, to give us guidance, to give us insight, to give us encouragement, to show us his will. All the things that we are talking about this morning really come out in our life 
every day, just the normal walk of life. Where do we get that energy from? Well, oftentimes, oftentimes, we try to do it ourselves. We try to think, if I'm strong enough, if I can do it, if I can, if I can make this happen, if I can just be stronger. Um, but Paul says it's in his weakness, in his personal weakness, that he finds strength. And I think that's true for all of us. It's when we begin to realize that we have to have the energy of the Spirit of God in our lives because we are not capable of doing it ourselves. That's hard for us. Man, that's so difficult because we want to be capable. We want to say we can do it. But when we get to the place of saying we can do it ourselves, we no longer need the Spirit of God. When a church gets to the place of saying, oh, we believe God wants us to do this and we can do it ourselves, it's not an impossible thing, then we're simply saying we don't need God anymore because what we've decided to do, we can do on our own. I don't think God wants us in that place as a church, nor does he want us in that place as individuals. He wants us to be people who are saying we don't have the energy, we don't have the strength. Our reliance is not upon ourselves. Our reliance is on the energy that comes from the Spirit of God. That's the only thing that's going to fuel us into the future. That's the only thing that's going to fuel you day by day, no matter what you're going through, no matter issues in your life. The only thing that's going to give you the fuel to make it to the next day is not your ability. It's not how strong you are. It's not how good you think you are. It's not how much financial resources you have in the bank. The only thing that's going to fuel us long term is the Spirit of God in your life. And I think to be able to understand that from a biblical perspective, to understand that what the Holy Spirit's purpose is, is to bring us that fuel. Next, I have written down that the Holy Spirit gives us a message for evangelism. A message for evangelism. A message of being able to tell other people around us, in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our school, wherever we are, about our story of how we have come to Christ. About who Christ is in us and what Christ is doing right now in our lives. The work of the Holy Spirit that we see day in and day out. What does that look like for you? How do you see the Spirit working in your life day in and day out, moment by moment, week by week? What does it look like when you're able to say, I have this message of evangelism. Evangelism is not a scary word because it really is just my story of how Christ has encountered me and how I follow him. And we have that message to tell the people that we come in contact every day. It's so hard to do that without reliance upon the Spirit of God. Yet, that's what he tells us that we're about. That's what he tells us that we should be doing. And then last, the Holy Spirit gives us an expectation of the future. An expectation of the future. Sometimes we we try to look and see what we're trying to do, and there's lots of Bible verses around that. I've written down several. Jeremiah 29 and 11 is probably one of the strongest ones. I have a a future for you. I have the the days in front of you. The Bible just is filled with the understanding that that what we're about is not, not just our own plan, but what God is doing. And our expectation for the future is not about just what we want, but it's about what God is doing through the Holy Spirit in your life. That, that what makes it so exciting, really. That's what makes it so real that he is at work in you as a follower of him. Now, remember, we said that's the beginning place, right? The foundation is our relationship with Christ. Without the foundation of Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit is not in you. The Holy Spirit is not taking up residence in your life if you're not a follower of Christ. That's just a 
biblical truth that we stand on. So our first and foremost would say, come to Jesus. Become a follower of Christ. And the Holy Spirit who takes up residence in your life will give you these things because he is the one who fuels everything we do. And then last, the last thing on your notes. And really the last part of all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He ends it on a very interesting statement. According to your text, wherever it might find itself, oftentimes at the beginning of chapter 13, but it's the end of chapter 12. He says, now I will show you the most excellent way. Some will translate that. I will show you a more excellent way. Some have other translations, but really what he's talking about here is love as the fruit in our life. Love as the fruit. And then he goes in to chapter 13, talking about love. He ends it by saying, the greatest of all this is love. Now, now what, is, what, is, what has Paul said to us? He said to us as a church, there's all these things that I've brought you together to do. You are the body of Christ. And each person has a part to play in this tapestry, a place that you are. Each person is designed, is shaped, his purpose is inside that. But then he tells us, if you have all that understanding, if you have the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're doing everything that you think you can do, but you have not love, you've missed it. You've just missed it. Now, I, like you, have seen people who proclaim themselves to be followers of Christ. And you ask that question, where's the love in their life? Are they more loving or are they more judgmental? Do they have a standard that's a biblical standard or are they created their own standard? And, and when somebody goes through an, an issue and there's a problem, do they show love or do they show some kind of making people feel guilty? You know what I'm talking about. Yet Paul says you can do all these things as a body. You can do everything that you want to do. You can have all the gifts of the body, but if you don't have the proof of that and the love from the body, you've just missed it. Well, my prayer has been that we as a church would love our community in a new way. That the people that you're around every day, that if you say, hey, I go to Graceland Baptist Church, they would say, man, that church is a loving church. Not because the building loves anybody. Not because the staff is even known. Because you are. You're in the community. You're making the impact. You are the body of Christ of this place and when they hear about you and they hear about your life as a neighbor, as a coworker, as a friend at school, wherever you are, they're saying, man, they just don't talk about Jesus. They show it. The proof is in how they love Christ. Now, as I said before, I don't think we're ever going to get to that proof of love unless we're in Christ. Christ is in us. And we're living that out, the truth of the body, by recognizing that the Holy Spirit is the one that's doing the work in your life. Are we capable of loving like Christ? Well, capable, maybe, but it's hard for us to. Are we capable of doing everything to show people the kind of love they need? Well, maybe, but without the work of the Holy Spirit, it gets harder and harder. Is it something that we can do consistently? There are days where we feel like we can love people better than we do on other days. Well, yeah, that's part of the human nature. Is that an excuse? 
I'm sorry, it's not. Because the Bible says that our energy, our connection, our reliance, our obedience is to Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's why we can love other people. That's why the proof of that love comes through how we live out his love through us.